Mike here doing a little more update on some of the politics, some of the news going on, because my goodness, there's just so much of it happening. Yeah, yesterday we had the final arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. I may dive back into that a little bit later. And uh, that that final jury deliberation won't begin until uh, mid-morning today in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I think the most important thing we can hope for there is uh, peace in the streets. I, I'm glad the, the National Guard is already there. And they should have been there when the city was burning. That's just me. They should have been deployed at the first sign of violence in that city. Which is completely unjustified. Destroyed so many businesses. But uh, I don't want to get off track here. Yesterday, late in the day, our president, Joe Biden had a Zoom meeting, a virtual summit with Xi Jinping, the president of China, who looks like he's going to be the president for the rest of his life. He's made some new adjustments to the way the government works there, so he never has to worry about being tossed out unless there's some kind of revolution, which there won't be. They're pretty happy being sheep and being led everywhere they go. But there was um, very little news after the virtual summit. We do know that that they did not talk about our president and the Chinese president did not talk about human rights. They didn't talk about what uh, Ennis Cantor, the Boston Celtic, has been pushing our president to do. And that's lead the world by example and tell China, we're not going to show up for your Olympic Games unless you stop enslaving people and torturing people and doing all those awful things that you do. Uh, We didn't do that. We didn't talk about that at all. And to me, that's embarrassing. We didn't talk about COVID and the origins of COVID. Our president didn't bring that up. We still don't have a full accounting. And I really wish we did. But then again, you cannot really expect much from Joe Biden because I really think he's having some serious cognitive problems. And you see flashes of normal and then you see examples where he doesn't really grasp what's going on. For example, yesterday, before the meeting with Xi Jinping, the president held a signing ceremony for this infrastructure bill. They held it outside the White House on the lawn because they had so many people gathered. Now, this bill passed over a week ago, but we had to make a big deal out of it. We had to have a ceremony instead of saying, if this truly is going to provide help for the economy and the country, let's get it moving. No, we had to make a show of it, a political show. So the president was out there, and as he was sitting down at the little table, the mini desk they brought outside for him to sign the bill, And it's cold outside. It was cold yesterday here in the the mid-Atlantic region. Uh, And a bunch of old people gathered around him and they weren't happy about it. But Joe Biden was more concerned with the fact they did. He did not have his mask on. He's outside. He's fully vaccinated. He's in the sunlight. Remember, the sunlight kills the COVID within seconds. But he's concerned about wearing a mask. It's all about virtue signaling. My friend Buck calls it uh, the anxiety diaper, the facial anxiety diaper. I think he's right on that. 
And here's a little clip from that moment. And something else happened here. Pay attention. Oh, my mask. So he gets up and he walks across the lawn to get his mask. And Schumer and Pelosi are trying to help him look. He can't find his mask, so now he wanders back. We were wondering when you were going to stop for a moment and have your I tell you what, I know what you mean. So Joe Biden's saying, you know, it's freezing. He's rubbing his hands together and somebody else is saying, yeah, we were wondering when you're going to get out here. But listen, he brings back that line. You know the thing. Is that a default crutch for him? We were wondering when you were going to stop for a moment and have your I tell you what, I know what you mean. I know the thing. That's really weird to me. And I'm not picking on him. But I am pointing out the deficiencies which seem to be apparent and they seem they should concern us because this is the guy who was yesterday uh, trying to sell the fact that he's got this vital infrastructure bill that's been passed. But we had to delay 10 days so we can make a public event about it. And he was out there talking about it. But you know what? He got confused. So maybe we have to do a little... What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? A couple of my friends are going to be coming out here, I'm told. Cabinet members. But, you know, uh, here we go. Where is everybody? Anybody else worried? Joe Biden out there? Uh, I've told a couple of my friends are going to join me out here. Uh, Where is everybody? Maybe he was looking for the union people he was supposed to shout out. Here's the rest of that clip for context. Let me give you a little context on that. It's kind of important. A couple of my friends are going to be coming out here, I'm told. Cabinet members. But, you know, uh, here we go. Where is everybody? Jill. (laughs) Jill Sierra, the attorney general. We got the whole guy. All right. Yeah, so he sees uh, the attorney general's there. Jill's there. Uh, yeah, yeah, comforted by the faces he recognizes. It really is worrisome, is it not? But you won't see that on the mainstream media. What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? It's an excellent question, madam. An excellent question. We should ask it every day and give you examples of what we're hearing from our president. And you just have to wonder what's happening in the conversation with the Chinese leader because we have to wonder who was really the dominant force in that. Joe Biden back in 2020 when he was campaigning to become the president was kind of changing courses on China. He flipped on China more than once. During the debate, he was asked about China, the CNN debate, when Donald Trump was still challenging him. This again from the campaign 2020. Do you view China as an opponent? Because the, the president says you've been too cozy with China. I, I, I'm not the guy. Look, China, we now have a larger trade deficit with China than we've ever had with China. I view China as a competitor, a serious competitor. Uh, a competitor. A competitor. But uh, are they going to be trouble? And let's talk a little bit about China, because China 
poses real challenges to the United States and uh, uh, some ways a real threat to the United States. But Donald Trump is only exacerbating the threat and the danger. So he's blaming Trump, but he's saying China's not really a problem, right? That's what he said right at the beginning there, correct? And let's talk a little bit about China because China poses real challenges to the United States and uh, uh, some ways a real threat to the United States. So a real threat to the United States, but Joe Biden also had this opinion during the campaign. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks. They're not bad folks, folks. Really? And I don't think you'll find a Republican today in the House or Senate, maybe I'm wrong, gentlemen, who doesn't think we have to improve our infrastructure. They know China and other countries are eating our lunch. Yeah, so China was eating our lunch, then they're not going to eat our lunch, uh, then they are bad folks, folks, or they're not bad folks, folks. It's very worrisome. And then we have to wonder about, God forbid, we have to replace a president. Who's next? Well, it's Kamala. And the White House yesterday at the big event seemed to skip over Kamala Harris as they were making the introductions and she was ready to stand up and deliver her remarks. And remember, this is on the heels of CNN saying there's trouble between the White House and the vice president. Lack of confidence, if you will. And then Kamala's ready to be introduced, and this happens. Please welcome Heather Kurtenbach. In a moment. <laughs> uh, well, she handled that gracefully, but she doesn't sound confident and competent when answering other questions. We must together work together to see where we are, where we are headed, where we are going and our vision for where we should be, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together address the challenges and to work on the opportunities that are presented by this moment. What There's no specifics. It's all platitudes. She's an empty vessel. It is the 16th of November. How did that happen? How did it get to November 16th so quickly? We're under 40 days until Christmas. The end of the year is rapidly approaching. My goodness, I was not ready for this. I am ready for a few things to end. I'm ready for the Rittenhouse trial to end. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin, currently now handed to the jury. And yeah, I watched yesterday. I, I thought it was going to be a brief instruction from the judge to the jury and then the closing arguments. And maybe it'd be over in the middle of the afternoon. No, I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. It went into the evening. My goodness, people. Well, you know, you wonder if everybody's playing for the cameras because they know the cameras are covering this trial. You wonder if the attorneys on both sides, the judge, maybe, just maybe there's a little bit of appreciation for the fame, and I'm using air quotes with my fingers. I hope this is over quickly. The jury will start deliberating at 10 o'clock Central Time today. So it's going to be 11 a.m. East Coast, and you do the math on the West Coast and the Mountain Time. And I do hope that this ends quickly and that the people 
who have gathered in Kenosha in hopes of doing harm, that they realize justice has been done and there is nothing good that can come from burning down that lovely little city again. It's a, it's a great little area, Kenosha. It was 40 miles north of where I grew up in Chicago. So let's hope. Let's hope they're clear minds on all of this. A couple of things I want to point out. I thought yesterday the uh, prosecutor was just snarky. And I don't know if he, he's intentionally being snarky, but I think the condescending tone and the mockery is not going to help you make your argument. Making your argument involves bringing up important salient points. Here's, here's one of the clips that made me just go, really, dude? Really? So how do we evaluate the defendant's performance as a medic that night? Well, on one hand, uh, he wrapped up an ankle and I think maybe helped somebody who got a cut on their hand. Yay. On the other hand, he killed two people, blew off Gage Grosskreutz's arm, and put two more lives in jeopardy. So, you know, when we balance your role as a medic that night, I don't give you any credit. It really sounded like a high school teacher mocking a student. And it's kind of a serious issue. The prosecutor got snarky again during these arguments. So what does he do that night? Oh, let me tell you all the awful things Joseph Rosenbaum did. He now, Joseph Rosenbaum was one of the people who was shot and killed by Mr. Rittenhouse. But this, this prosecutor's trying to diminish what this man had been doing. I'll let him explain. It's over a porta potty that had no one in it. He swung a chain. He lit a metal garbage dumpster on fire. Oh, and there's this empty wooden flatbed trailer that they pulled out in the middle of the road and they tipped it over to stop some bear cats and they lit it on fire. Oh, and he said some bad words. He said the N-word. If he were alive today, like Joshua Zeminski, I'd probably try and prosecute him for arson, but I can't because the defendant killed him. I, I, was, I was gobsmacked when I watched that. I thought, are you seriously trying to use awful sarcasm and this condescending tone to try and make a case, a murder case? I, I really, literally was stunned. Maybe he's trying to get a mistrial. Maybe he's trying to get this thrown out. I don't know. I don't think so. It, it was just absolutely crazy. To me, I could be wrong. I could be the one who doesn't get it right. Uh, there were uh, a few other moments yesterday that had me uh, confused. The prosecutor also made a, a stupid, I thought, bar fight analogy when he talked about what was going on. And in the background, on the big screens, they pulled a photo from the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze where there was a fight in a bar. He was a bouncer in a bar, if you don't remember. It was a pretty lame movie. But they put that photo up behind him as this idiotic prosecutor was saying this. Let's assume for a minute, yeah, Joseph Rosenbaum is chasing after the defendant because he wants to do some physical harm to him. He, he was chasing after him. Let's not assume it was happening. An unarmed man. 
This is a bar fight. This is a fist fight. This is a fight that maybe many of you have been involved in. Two people, hand to hand, we're throwing punches, we're pushing, we're shoving, we're whatever. But what you don't do is you don't bring a gun to a fist fight. Well, it, it, it was crazy to hear that. You don't bring a gun. He's diminishing the entire thing. The threat, the threat that was going on, that was apparent, that was evident, that was witnessed. And the flailing closing arguments from the prosecution continued. They have to convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the danger, when you're the one provoking other people. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I try and pay attention to what the law says, but I understand that's not really good, solid law, what this guy is saying. And if somebody is trying to hit you with a skateboard or kick you in the head or stomp you, you're allowed to defend yourself. And I think that's the key here in the laws that are going to be applied in Wisconsin. We shall see. I, again, I hope this is a short, short jury deliberation. And I hope that we understand uh, everything about what the jury is going to put forward. And I also hope that the mainstream media doesn't do what they've been doing for the past year plus. The mainstream media has been out there, I think, poisoning the well, if you will, talking about Kyle Rittenhouse in some pretty disgusting ways without having all the facts. White privilege on steroids. A biased, racist judge. Has never really held white people accountable for murdering black people. Imagine <laughs> if Kyle Rittenhouse was an 18 or 17-year-old black kid. It's so disgusting to me what the mainstream media has done. But then there's what the Democratic Party did. There's what the president and his campaign did after this happened and putting out an ad that may actually end up in a suit against the president. And Peter Ducey asked about the Kyle Rittenhouse smear at the press briefing. Why did President Biden suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Kenosha is a white supremacist? So, Peter, what I, I'm not going to speak to right now is anything about an ongoing trial, uh, nor the president's past comments. Uh, what I can reiterate for you is the president's uh, view uh, that we shouldn't have, broadly speaking, uh, vigilantes patrolling our communities with assault weapons. And nobody wants vigilantes patrolling our streets. We want the police funded and allowed to do their job. And that's kind of what's at the heart of all this. If you take away the police, you can't get mad when people walk around armed. Rittenhouse was not a vigilante patrolling the streets looking for trouble. That's obvious from the testimony of even the prosecution's witnesses. Will the right jury come out with the right verdict? I don't know. Hopefully they will. And hopefully Kenosha will stay in one piece because it's still recovering from last year.